Hello and welcome to the Leading the Line podcast. Chris here. I hope you're keeping safe and staying well. And I've I've said this so many times, I don't even know what I'm saying right at the start of this any longer. But we're, we're good as long as you're as long as you're good. That's all that matters. And uh, we're back. We've had football, and of course, I'm joined by Campbell Finlayson. Campbell, how are you doing? I'm sticking the theme. I'm good. I'm good, Chris. Good. Lovely stuff. Yeah, so we, we've had football back. Uh, finally, we're recording this a little bit later in the week just because, you know, life life still has things to fling at us. We aren't in a position where we can kind of drop everything, unfortunately. But we are going to talk about this weekend's action. And Campbell, first of all, let's get it away nice and early. How good was it to have the SWPL back this weekend and being at a game and, and seeing it in loving colour in front of us? It was good, especially, I mean, the game I was at as well, seeing a lot of, a lot of new players. Um so it was good. It's good to have just football in any any shape or form, really, isn't it? And for one that we spend so much time talking about, to then go a couple of months, or more than a couple of months, twice with nothing. It's certainly good to have it back. So, sure, we'll crack right into it. We sure will. So we're obviously going to go through all four games, and we'll talk a little bit about obviously the highlights package on Sunday night as well. But let's get started. We were both at K Park Theatre of Dreams for Celtic against Glasgow City. Uh, big game of the weekend. I think it's, it's fair to say BBC Alba had that coverage live. And uh, Campbell, I'll get your thoughts on it. First of all, I thought I thought being in the ground, it looked like a it looked like it was a pretty entertaining game in terms of like a spectacle to watch. There's lots of stuff going on to kind of talk about. I think everybody in the the area where we were congregated as as a media at the back end of the ground, which is, wasn't ideal, let's be fair, it wasn't ideal. Um, but I think there was a, a lot of chat, there's a lot of interesting things going on in the game. Well, from a terrible vantage point at a terrible ground, it still looked good, so I think that's a good thing to have. Um, it was a strange game, I think. City, obviously, were the score lane's really comfortable and it was a game where they probably did deserve to win it. Well, no problem, they did deserve to win it. And it probably could have been more, and you'd maybe say it was a bit harsh on Celtic if it had been, but at the same time, Glasgow City were really, really good. I mean, the last time we saw them, obviously, was um, the heavy defeat to Rangers, and certainly a lot of improvement from then. Um, two debutants getting their, their first goal for the club as well. was was a lot to be positive about from City, and they're certainly, they don't look like a side that's just been flung together. I know it's off of the training they've missed out on, but um, they didn't look like they had missed anything. Everyone just seemed to sit in fit in pretty seamlessly and it was a very impressive performance from them. Yeah, it really was. Let's let's talk about new signings because I think that was a big kind of going into the game, that was a big feature because obviously you mentioned Glasgow City had four players making their debut in total and I don't know why I went Spanish there but I did. <laughs> um, and then you also had Janine Van White making her SWPL debut and Celtic had their own debutants but I think in terms of the battle of the debutants, City very much won that one and I think you're right in terms of it looked like they'd been playing together for a while. I, in particular, was... I think they all had some degrees of um, impressiveness about them. Um, I thought that uh, Priscilla Chinchia was really good at exploiting the gaps in the Celtic defence in that first half, the way that Celtic had lined up. It meant that she was kind of operating those pockets to kind of break space. And then you had Nee Fallery kind of sitting in a bit further down. I think she was probably, I think she got voted man player of the match for, for Glasgow City um, after the game. And her goal, which we'll get to, is was really well taken, as you say. We maybe didn't have the best vantage point to, to see it in, in real life, but uh, when I watched it back in the highlights, um, it certainly looked well taken. But I was really impressed with the defensive reinforcements, Campbell. Um, and I'll get your take on kind of all five as well, but uh, Janine Van Wyck and Arna Asgrim's as daughter kind of come into that centre-back pairing. And then I also thought Julie Mullen um, was really good as well in that back, that back line. It's a remodelled 
backline for Glasgow City, but it's something that I think we both thought had to come at some point, given the way that the kind of the players that had gone out over the past kind of 12 to 18 months. Yeah, I mean, it was the one thing we commented on most probably on Sunday, I think. We've looked at site over the last few years and they've had either players that are, are not centre-backs being drafted in there or they've been playing some of the younger players, like um, Jenna Clark and obviously Carla Girasoli when she was there. But having two players who are out-and-out centre-backs who are big players who simply are there to defend and then doing exactly that made such a difference to City and Celtic struggled to get through them they didn't really create much at all going forward and, and Janine Van Wyck obviously you've got a South African international there and the um, Askerim's daughter as well was then influential at both ends of the park as well so I mean for City it's good I think for them just to finally have that base to sort of build on it's the one part as much as they've, they've romped the league however many years they've never really had much of much squad depth there and as we said on Sunday, they've now seen we've got this never-ending pool of players, including about three or four that were out injured. So it's definitely a big positive for them that they've got these options now and they were solid all over the park really on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the partnership of Van Wyck and Asgrim's daughter is is so important for them. Van Wyck, uh, who really reads the play well, I think there was a moment in the first half where she came out and she kind of intercepted the ball. I think everybody just went, oh, that's... That's just like a bit of a bit of class in that in that back line, and then Asgrim's daughter adds physicality to that back line as well. I think at one point Celtic tried tried the punt technique, and she was just mopping everything up. And as you mentioned, she she scored the second goal. But let's let's talk about the goals. Um, and City's first goal, I think, is probably the one that had the most chat round about it. We were in a good position to see this first goal, um, kind of seeing it. So good work by Nicole Robertson to kind of get the ball off of Chloe Craig. And then there was the, the incident where uh, Chloe Craig and Nicole Robertson came together. There was no foul given, play continued, Nicole Robertson. And I thought it was very good, very energetic up top, really worked the, those three centre-backs in that first half as well and kind of gave her all for it. I think it was a really good display of dogged forward play. Her ball got to come across and Aoife Kova was at the back post to kind of scramble at home. Um, big, big point of contention was whether or not it was a foul. My, my instant reaction was, it was a foul, um, and I think it's because we hear where we were. We we had a clip in terms of like the, the legs coming together. What what was your thought on it? I mean, firstly, if you mentioned obviously Nicole Robertson there, I think I said to you the game that's probably the best performance I've seen from her in a city shirt, and that kind of that summed it up. Um, in fact, Chloe Craig had got her body in front. I mean, she probably does get away one, as you say. Looking back at the highlights as we did at half time and we did after the game, it's it doesn't look to be anything there, but you heard it, as you've said, we heard the clip on her heel and it's one of these ones, she's not going to go down there unless she's felt something. It might just be even a slight knee on it as they clipped her heels, but I think City maybe get away with one there. They didn't seem to think so themselves after it and wanted a penalty for the head clash of um, We has Game's daughter and uh, Caitlin Hayes. But no, in terms of goal, I think it's maybe a bit lucky, but Nicole Robertson has, has done well to fight back to win the ball and then once she's put it across, even then, it seemed to take an eternity to hit the net. Um it kind of came off a bit of Colville and uh, one of the Celtic defenders and it was just enough to beat the goalkeeper. But it was a good fight to get there, but maybe a wee bit of luck with the circumstances. Yeah, maybe a little bit of luck in that. But I think it was well-deserved at that point, Campbell. And we haven't talked about Celtic much at this point because I think if we're being honest, they didn't offer a lot, maybe throughout this game. Um, they started with obviously kind of playing kind of three at the back with two, two wing-backs. And they had like new signings like Maria Lee just into Gallagher, they're actually starting as well. But they just they just couldn't really get a foothold in the game. And I think 
one of the things that all these new signings have done for, for Glasgow City, I th- and you mentioned it earlier on, is, is meant players can play proper positions isn't the right word, but in their kind of their comfortable positions. So you had Joe Love kind of playing in that that gap between the centre backs and the centre mid, so she could step up and step back depending on where the ball was and the transition of the attack. And then you had Haley Lauder, who in that first half, I don't think she missed a pass um, in that first half playing further up the field. And it just opened things up. And Celtic just, they didn't seem to really have an answer to it from what I can see. Did you see anything in that first half that you kind of thought Celtic were going to come back into it? Or did you think they were going to have to make a change, which Fernando did eventually do? I think they looked a bit stronger when they went to four at the back and it's a formation that you need to have the right players to play it, and I don't think in Celtic's case they do. Um, with City's attacking trio, whenever they got the ball, it soon did become a three-on-three three because Celtic's wide players weren't getting back quick enough and Priscilla Chinchieva obviously mentioned she was kind of just a very nimble-looking player and was in between everything all the time and it was causing Celtic problems because the minute you're having to drag one of your centre-backs out, Yes, there's obviously another two there, but it's still finding these gaps, and City exploited them. Um, Celtic's defending at set pieces was was awful as well, and obviously we saw that with the second goal. So it's, I think they did look a lot better when it went to to four at the back, but it's it's easy to say that in hindsight, having having watched it from there. But I think it might be in a different game if they potentially started in that sort of a flat back four. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the thing that thing that really struck me about Priscilla Chinchilla was her her caress of the ball with her foot. Like we we don't know what the level of Costa Rican foot, women's football is. Unfortunately, the world isn't quite moving fast enough to kind of make that easy for us to find. But I, like being able to watch it at close quarters, and we're both big advocates of you get a different perspective of being in the ground, which is why we go through all the tests and fill out all the forms to get it done. Um, and up in close quarters, she she was really good. She, I think she faded out of it a little bit in the second half, but so it's a new stand for still new settings. It was pretty. That was that's always grim at K Park weather wise, but I mean it was particularly windy uh, on Sunday. But let's move on because you, you are right; you did make those changes, and I think one of the, the, the things that happened those changes is you lost a lot of presence in the back because Caitlin Hayes is one of the players to come off, and that freed up uh, Arna Asgrim's daughter to score a second great header, and obviously she took a bit of a clatter in the first half as well, so she would have been pleased to kind of get that one off off the mark. Yeah, I mean. Scott Booth was sort of claiming for a penalty. I've actually not seen it back since the time that it happened, but it was a strange one because when you heard again, like the goal, we heard the noise as of clash when it's when it's a head knock, that's never a great one. And obviously, Caitlin Hayes actually fell and was kind of facing where we went. She looked as if she was out cold and then suddenly was up and walking about. So that was a strange one. And then obviously, you've seen Arna's eye. It was, it was a fair lump she took so to, to play on and then... To, to go and score ahead of herself later on in the second half certainly shows that she's got that strength, she's got that fearlessness um, at the back for City, which again, as we've said, is probably something they've been lacking. So that's it's a positive there that they know not only have they got someone who is solid in defence, but can then um, can cause a, a, a threat sorry, in the other box. And it's a great delivery, but for potentially the tallest player in that City team to be left unmarked, about what, six, seven yards to go was, I guess, poor for Celtic and it shouldn't be allowed. And Fran Alonso said as much a game, he knows what he's got to work on with the team, but I think, as you said, Caitlin, his her presence was missing as much as she probably come off because of the head knock, but she was probably Celtic's most impressive of the three centre-backs. I think having her across the back four might well actually work out more in Celtic's favour, but Sunday just wasn't to be. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, Celtic's best defeat at the moment, Celtic's best defender probably Jodie Bar- Jody Bartle in terms of defending and 
kind of speed and just a kind of overall defender. But it's whether whether you play her on the left, which which she was doing in the first half, or you bring her inside and then pair up with somebody. Um, but um, as you mentioned, I'll say finished three 0 and it was a third goal this time from Nee Farrelly. Really well taken goal, as I said. We we couldn't really appreciate it at the time from where we were on the ground, but watching the highlights back, um, lovely be touching it. A really nice finish, and I think she was probably the the signing that along with Julie Malin who. Both quietly went about their business, but both, I think, quietly impressed uh, in terms of uh, their performances. Yeah, I mean, just for watching a game as a fan's point of view, kind of used to being behind the goals, and it, it reminded me of being at a game there just without the road of the home fans as you sit pushed in the away end. But um, from where we <laughs> were, it looked it looked a good finish, and then seeing it back on TV again, she's, she's shown that awareness just to get the touch to work that bit of space and then just hit it so quickly that I mean the keeper can't really see it as a cracking finish and it's a goal she deserved I think she was a standout for City in that midfield and it helps obviously with the likes of Joe Love and as you're saying they're getting a bit older they've not quite got that pace and in, in, the pace in the legs that they used to do so having Neve come in who's only what 21 to, to come in and um, to have that as well she was she was all over the place for Celtic in that first half all over the pitch and in the full game sorry for City um, and it was definitely an impressive debut and I could go with cap it all off for her. Absolutely. So, I mean, that result, uh, Glasgow City kind of move level on points with Rangers. We will talk about it in a second because Rangers played earlier on that day. Uh, but it means that Celtic are now five points behind the front two. Um, obviously, still 13 games to go. It's a long way, but we know how big five points can be in the SWPL and it really does put a lot of pressure on that, that their upcoming games not to drop any more points because obviously they have dropped points against teams uh, lower down the division but also that, that game against Rangers in a couple of weeks time Yeah it makes it huge I mean we said last week that it was probably verging on must win um, for Celtic and they were disappointing they weren't as good as we'd hoped they'd be on Sunday I mean, you see how much City have improved since before Christmas, and obviously Rangers are still spotting the side. Anyone that comes near them, you have to fancy that those two, with five points ahead, unless they somehow start just collapsing in some games, it might be too much for Celtic to claw back. A draw could have kept them in it, but playing like they did on Sunday, it'll certainly be it'll be a, a two-way fight for the table, but for the title, sorry, but hopefully it doesn't quite come out. But it's a big game for Celtic on Sunday that now it has been played against Hearts. One, you fancy them to win, but they'll need to play a lot better than they did on Sunday. Yeah, that game was postponed because of international call-ups has now been put back on. And I wonder if part of that decision is so that they don't end up eight points behind. That was one of my first thoughts when, when that happened, uh, given who given City, obviously, and Rangers will be looking to win at the weekend coming. But I think I think the last word in this game is for City because I think when we left Broadwood after that final game, we we were, I don't want to say worried, but you, know, you looked at that City team and you went, this is a team that needs fixed. And I think they've done it. And as you mentioned, the list of players we were sitting rhyming them off during the game. The list of players that either weren't weren't, weren't like fit or weren't even in the squad. So we had like Claire Shine, Tyler Tolan, Maddie Fulton, Kaylee Mickey, um, Odie Fulitudulu. I mean, they have a they have a squad now, um, which feels like they haven't had for ages. So yeah, um, I thought City very impressive at the weekend, and it'll be good, interesting to see how they get on uh, traveling up to Forfar. Uh, this this coming Sunday, um, but let's move on from Glasgow City and Celtic to Hearts and Rangers because uh, that was the early game and we went through to Arrive to, to catch that um, six now win for Rangers keeps them top of the table. I think this kind of went how you'd expect it to the Campbell. I'll talk about the game in a little bit in detail, but in terms of the result, I think we were all expecting Rangers to win quite comfortably. Yeah, I mean Hearts showed some improvement obviously before the break there, but. Uh coming back against a team that's top of the table and have just beaten 
what, 12 times champions, 13, whatever it is, uh, 5 nothing. It was never going to be a game that you'd want to start back with and Rangers proved that. I mean, obviously there was a couple of penalties from daft decisions from Hearts defenders kind of gave Rangers something to, to really finish the result before half-time, but it was, I think, as you say, you'll get to the performance in a minute, but it was certainly a result that I think everybody expected. Yeah, I mean... I mean, Hearts started. Hearts had um, a couple of new faces in their squad. They had Kirsty McIntosh, who was of Hamilton Aki's, is now at Hearts, and Beth McKay, who was at Spartans, and now at Hearts. Um, and they also had Katie Turner, which took a wee while to kind of one of these players where I looked at and she was playing. I was going, "Is that is that who I think it is?" And I, I had to I sent a wee WhatsApp message actually to try and see if I'd got it right. And uh, yeah, it was Katie Turner, who is the first time I've seen her in a in an SWPL for a, for a wee while, former Hibs player. Um, so they had some new faces, also had a lot of the kind of youngsters up from the, the performance side. And I thought maybe the kind of opening salvos, they were doing quite well, but very quickly Rangers got the advantage, Sam Kerr getting the opener after some good work by Emma Brownlee, who I thought was, I personally thought she was at kind of the standout um, of the day, playing a little bit further up with them. Megan Bell obviously injured. She uh, kind of helped with that first goal. As you mentioned, the two penalties, there was, there was no process about the decisions. They were a pretty stonewall, and Lizzie Arnott put them away in, in the same corner twice. And Kirsty Howard getting her ninth of the season. Um, good work by Nick Dock on the other side. And those flanks for Rangers Campbell, those those flanks I think are going to be key to them in terms of not so necessarily bringing in these games, because I think these games are the ones where their fitness in the flanks play. And Orion's a big pitch, something Malky Thompson talked about after the game. They could really utilise that. But those threat in the flanks with Rachel McLaughlin and Nick Dock. Um, it's it's going to be one of their big strengths going into the kind of title running. Yeah, I mean, even some of the players you mentioned scoring goals compared to the teams they're playing against who have obviously the good players in their own right. But when you see these Rangers players that have they've been in the Glasgow City teams, have played down south, have played um, for the national side as well. Yes, it's a remarkable squad they've got. Really, we mentioned City's strength and depth, but Rangers have got probably the strongest first choice team as well as some even backup players now that went again went in the squad. So it's there's so much to be positive about for Rangers. And as you mentioned, they almost become like an extra two wingers. Um Rachel McLaughlin and Nicole Doherty sort of Nicola Doherty, sorry, sort of got they've got players that are going to cause you so many problems down these wings. And then when you put the ball in the middle and you've got Kirsty Howitt who's scored goals for fun in this league, Sam Kerr as you're seeing even getting more now than we've seen at City. And then again another two Scotland internationals in the um, Lizzie Arnott and Zoe Ness. So there's there's so many players there that are going to cause teams problems and keeping Rangers out is going to be so, so hard for any opponent they've got. And I think, as you say, if they're getting these players on the ball in um, forward areas, then they're going to really be hard to stop. Yeah, I mean, they scored the fifth just before um, half-time, as I said. Emma Brownlee, really impressive. Malky Thompson was very, very high in praise of her as well uh, after the match, seeing how well she'd come back. Um, from the kind of the latest shutdown that we'd all experienced, um, and she put a nice through ball for Zoe Ness, who, I mean, she just took her time and took her time and took her time, and eventually uh, Charlotte Parker Smith hit the deck and she rounded her to put it in, and then it was a second goal, at a second for Sam Kerr in the second half. Um, Hearts were were much better in the second half, and actually I think that came about from a couple of changes that, that Andy Curtin made, bringing in Mario Kearney and Jerry Smith, and I was a wee bit surprised to see. Uh, see, definitely not seeing Jenny start because when they came in, they they added a bit extra. I mean, Jenny Smith seemed to get the ball forward a lot more, and it kind of gave the defence a little bit of a, a breather. But I mean, for Hearts, this isn't the games that they'll be looking to to kind of get points. Um, but obviously, it gets a little bit more difficult again next. Well, not more difficult, but it's difficult again next week because obviously they're they're playing Celtic. 
Yeah, I mean, Hearts, obviously, when you're, you're at the bottom of the table, it's, it's never easy, especially when you're playing that Rangers side. So they'll have looked at it and thought, right, five they're doing at half time is awful, but to then come out in the second half, Rangers may have taken their foot off it, but it's still they've kept it down to just the one goal in the second half. And things like that are positives for Hearts to take. They've beaten Hibs, um, as we saw at the end there, and been unlucky in other games. Losing at the Spartans with a very late goal, so there's there's definitely positives for Hearts there. And like you say, these games against the likes of Rangers and City aren't the ones that they're going to be judged on. And if they can take some things that work on, they can see where they're going to need to improve, of course, losing six goals for a start. But if they can take these things, work on them, and then utilise them against the sides in and around them in the table, then you'll maybe see a more realistic sort of impression of what Hearts actually are. And in terms of the signings they made, Campbell, obviously we've talked a little bit about Katie Turner, but Kirsty McIntosh and, and Beth McKay there, Beth is obviously well, was well, like, a well-established member of the first-team squad at Spartans, and Kirsty was one of the Player of the Year contenders in the SWPL too. I think you could see that she'd taken a step up on, on Sunday. Sometimes she was maybe taking that wee extra touch, uh, but that's, in, th- in, th- in theory, two good signings to kind of boost that, boost that squad. Yeah, it should be it should be solid signings for a team around them. Hearts position in the table. I mean, I don't think there will be too much difference between the bottom of SWPL one and the likes of Hamilton at the top of SWPL two. So there's the players that in theory should do a job. Kirsty McIntosh, obviously in particular there. Beth McKay, as you said though, has played at this level. She knows what it's like, and again, again coming against Rangers, you don't want to judge them from that there. But no one's going to be great in a six 0 defeat. But to get these players more game time at that level and keep playing there, then hopefully we'll see them begin to fit into a Hearts team. Obviously, we've mentioned City have brought in new players and they've just fit in right away. You've seen up also at the top end that Celtic did and they haven't. So, I mean, there's no guarantee when you bring in new players it's going to work straight away and Hearts will know that and they'll hope that these players in time can become useful members of their squad and hopefully we'll see them pick up some wins on for the rest of the, end of the, rest of the season Sorry, compared to going out and losing each week. Yeah, absolutely. Just one other thing on this game, and it's more of a, a point in general. Um, we're talking about the new signings, but we are now we are recording this on the Thursday after the Sunday, where these players have made their debuts and they haven't been announced by a club. And they're not the only ones who have done it this week. We obviously, uh, well, we noticed that Lisa Swanson came off the bench for, for Motherwell, and I don't know if that was a loan return or she's back properly, or what, what the deal is in that, in that regard. Please announce your signings if you're listening to this and you're at a club. Announce your signings because... People will not know who's playing for you. And it, it was a bit of a, a for me, so obviously I, I went through to Orion and I kind of expected that. I knew that there was going to be a couple of new faces um, appearing, but that that is because people kind of pass on the information as opposed to it being put out there. And if you want to get people engaged in it, and as the profile increases with more te- television coverage, you need to need to get your signs out there. So that's just soapbox. I'll put it down and, and come back down and we'll move on to the next game, uh, which is... Spurs against Hibs, um, Edinburgh Derby, which was, uh, I think we, we were, I don't know, I can't remember if we predicted these or not, I don't think we did predictions, I think we, we veered away from that, but I think we both thought Spartans could could get a result on Sunday, and um, they did, and watching back the highlights, it certainly looks like they were, they were value for it, 2-0 win, um, goal from Cat Smart. Uh, from Rain, squeezed past Emily much, and then a bit of confusion between Rhea McCafferty and Emily, and, and uh, uh, Becky Albraith was there to kind of take advantage of it but it looked from the highlights anyway it looked like they were good value for that win Yeah I mean I caught a bit of the game um, at the start of the season when they played each other and Hibs come out on top there and obviously Spartans beat them in um, pre-pre-pre-season a few weeks ago 
before this one started. So it was good. it was always an interesting tie. I mean, they're, they're two sides that are a lot more evenly matched now than they have been in previous seasons with the players that have left from Hibs. And then I caught a bit of this game as well. That's the forehead and through Tisco Bryden Sunday that I thought Spartans were certainly the better team from the aspects I saw. The, I, mean, I hate teams playing football out for the back. I, I get you want to build from there and you're thinking, right, let's, let's keep it simple. But passing out your defence is never a good idea, especially a defender who's got the back to the play to then turn, give the ball away. And then and Emily Much is pretty much just let the ball slip through. So it's, it's a poor goal to concede. And then obviously, as they say, you're at your most vulnerable and you've just conceded and then pretty much straight away Spartans do it again. But it's just a simple ball through. Emily comes racing out and it's good to awareness of Becky O'Brien to go around there and score. Two goals from Spartans' point of view that they'll be pleased with how they've both been taken. But from a Hibs point of view, it's defending that you can't, you simply cannot get away with at the top level of the game. And it's certainly deserved win and deserved goals for Spartans. But from a Hibs point of view, it's, it's poor. Yeah, I mean, it, it looks like they didn't create much kind of going forward as well. It's something that it's, we were talking about City's defence earlier on. It, it's almost like Hibs' forward line has always been like a kind of a series of bandages to kind of tide it over with Jamie Lee Napier, obviously. Not really a forward, as has been shown. Now she's playing down the w, uh, WSL, not the WLS. <laughs> the WSL um, for Birmingham playing on that left-hand side. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, Hibs down to sixth, and it's not... It's not what people expect, and I think you saw that in terms of some of the replies to obviously the result. There's there is a bit of pressure on Dean Gibson in terms of getting that result, those results turned around and and quickly. I mean, it's tough to replicate for Hibs. Obviously, it been that side that won the Rand City so close in the league. The only defeat was the one at Peters Hill, and then beat also beat them in the cup the week before. In 2018 season, since then, though, that of that squad, I think a lot of them are at Rangers, some are at City, others are down south. They've still not replaced Abby Harrison. I know we keep saying that here, we're nearly three years later, but not replaced her in the forward area. Jamie Lee Napier obviously came in and scoring the goals here, but you see her playing for Birmingham, she's used more as one of the wide of the front three. Carla Boy, she'll score goals. We've seen she's done it, same way McGallagher, but is either that out and out striker that's going to get you 10, 15 goals a season? Probably not. And it will cost them. It doesn't help at the defence, obviously. They've lost Charlotte Potts, who looked a good addition, but they've still got solid defenders there that, in theory, again, should be, should be good for this level, but have then been at fault for the goal. So there's plenty to work on for Hibs. I don't want to just sit and rip into them because we know they're a better side than what they've shown, but there's certainly, there's got to be something that changes, and whether that's Dean Gibson or whether it's the players, that's, that's obviously yet to be seen. Do you think this is just... a a consequence of that having, I, I think I wrote about this on Sunday night when I did the kind of three takeaways for the website. Do you think this is maybe just, it's so hard to keep regenerating your side like that as losing those players. Was, I mean, these players have gone on to be successful. So Hibs have been successful in that regard. It's, these players have gone on, have left because they, they're, they're really good and they've gone on to, to play at a, a higher level. Do you think it's just the case of actually maybe this, this step has to happen? I, I, it was it was never going to last forever until something changes where they get. But obviously they've got um, Gabby English coming in um, again in the summertime. Emma Heikela, who wasn't in the squad on Sunday, it looked like a very short squad on Sunday as well. Um, do you think it's maybe just like this? Maybe had to come, and maybe they've just, they've just been fighting it so long, doing such a good job at it that this this me dip until they get some more bodies in is is going to happen. I mean, it's it's always going to happen. You look. 
at all levels really across world football there's most clubs are selling clubs you see it in Scotland where even the minute someone's having a good season for a side in Scotland if it's not Celtic and Rangers want to take them it's someone further away and it's the same with Hib as we say to I've lost players to City we've lost players to Rangers they've lost players down to, obviously Rachel McLaughlin first went to Yeovo teams down south and it's what do you respect to Hibs? It's bigger clubs that are going to be, um, that are going to, that are more successful, sorry, in the women's game and that they'd want to go to. So it's it's not easy to replace players there. I think the fact that these clubs are now being taken sort of, and the likes of Rangers and Celtic, a bit more under the men's wing, the professional aspect of it, it does make it tough when Hibs are still sort of with their community thing there. And it's, it's a tough one for them. Obviously, they're not going to be the same, but a lot of these players have been there through the, the positive times and they'll know that they need to do better than that. They're players that are they're good for this level. So to be sitting in sixth, they won't be happy with it. They'll know they've got to fix it. But like you say, I don't think it will be. It's not easy replacing players, but it's almost a case of they're losing players and then not replacing them. And that can be a bit of a risky game. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, let's talk about Spartans a bit more because it's like, you know what, they, they won 2-0. Um, and do you know what, Spartans... I'm, I think Spartans have got a real chance of being one of the disruptors to this top three because when you look at the stats behind them, yes, they don't score a lot of goals. Only Motherwell and Hearts have scored less than them, but they've conceded, only Rangers have conceded less. They just, there's like a solidity and I think you saw it kind of post-match as well with Spartans. There is that very, they are a very together group. I think it kind of really came out post-match. Um, and, you know, Spartans... I think that fourth place is there for the taking, and at the moment, maybe Spartans are in full position for it. Yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, obviously we call them this solid side, but they've kept that nucleus there, and they're players that have got so much experience of playing at this level now that they know what it takes to beat these sides, and it's a very good win for them. Obviously, games with themselves and Hibs tend to be tight, but it was one where like anyone can really have any complaints. With Spartans taking the three points there and to move them ahead of um, ahead of. Hibs and fourth for up to fourth there as we've said where they've got that wee bit of a gap now and they're a team that I think is just they want to just keep calling them solid but they've got impressive players going forward they've got an impressive back line as well and they've got a goalkeeper in Rachel Harrison who's who's often nominated for player of the month and for uh, sorry teams of the season so far of the seasons that we're in the finish but they've got a solid squad there and they've got players as we say that have got now that experience at this level even being as young as I know, like Michaela McLean is one, for example, who's still still only a young player, but has captained our country under 19 level players that have played in the Euros for Scotland, have played um, in SWPL1, and even Rob McCaffrey, you saw on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, I think you said only 17 years old, but again, captained our, our uh, country at that level. And again, getting this experience playing here, it's it's always going to, only going to get better for Spartans. And the games against, obviously, Hibs, Motherwell, Hearts, Forfa, they're the ones they look to win. But they will certainly cause teams problems um, above them in the league. They won't make it easy for the likes of Rangers and Celtic. So we'll be interested to see how they get on um, on Sunday. It's a tough trip to the Hummel, but they were unlucky there and we saw them there last season. And if they can continue that, then I would say Spartans certainly favourites for that final spot in the top half. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Rangers only defeated them 1-0 uh, last time at Ainsley Park. Obviously, it's a, it's a different Rangers team now in terms of the players in. But yeah, I think, I think it'll be a really good game to kind of watch. And I think maybe one of the... The, the best thing that Spartans is bringing in Cat Smart, lots of experience, played at a good level. And I think obviously that, that can only help those players around about her. But let's move on to the, the final game of the weekend, which was Motherwell against Forfar Farmington at the Pennycar Stadium. Um, there was 
it was a, an interesting one because obviously Kevin McGreskin's kind of come in, kind of stepped up, maybe stepped up is a better time for it, eh? uh, stepped up uh, to replace Ryan McConville and obviously Stuart Hall and Willie Kinnebrower taking interim charge for Motherwell who have now put an advert out for a, a new head coach and head of women and girls uh, football which is a, it's a big big role. I was having a look at the job description and there's, there's a lot in that so um, I'm sure it'll be somebody who's super passionate for it but uh, first half not much happened but then second half it all kicked off um, and uh, I think the, the first goal for for Farmington, um, Lisa Ryan's header, I've just got down my notes here, that she had the freedom of Airdrie and all the surrounding villages to kind of head that ball in. It was, it'll be a disappointing one for, for Motherwell to concede as that first goal of the game. Yeah, I mean, you never see players on post nowadays, and I think Motherwell did, and then that then left space for her, and Lisa Ryan's obviously can just come out of nowhere to ghost in at the back, and it's, it's a good header, you'd expect her to score it from there, but Teams hate losing goals for set pieces and Motherwell will be no different to that one. To then obviously be back into the game and then I mean, free kick goal was Heather just called it a goal of the season contender when simply it's a goalkeeper mistake, but it doesn't help when you're gifting goals like that. But I think from a neutral point of view, it would potentially have been the most entertaining yeah, game of the weekend. Two sides that, I mean, that's now what, um, sorry, I can't count, 11 goals in the two games between them this season. And Forfar have come out and taught in both games. They're teams that clearly need to sort their defences, but it'll be it'll be positive for both sides that they're, they're able to, to score a few goals now. Um, given that we've seen in previous seasons, it's not it's not been quite as easy. Motherwell coming up from SWPL two, and Forfar obviously kind of been down the bottom end of SWPL one for a few years now. So there's plenty to be positive about for both of them there, and for Forfar, it's it's another impressive win actually on the road. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in terms of four for that, um, I think I've at least equaled maybe now their points tally from last season. I, I mean, double check that because uh, I didn't check it before I started recording. But um, yeah, so I mean, four have made a, a really a really good fist of this season so far. In terms of the game, uh, Motherwell equalised through Abby Callahan. I thought it was a, a well taken strike, um, and then Cassie Cooper, as you say, uh, not not a great one for Kim Ramsey in terms of. Um, uh, kind of stopping the free kick and then uh, an Alana Bruce goal made it 3-1 and I thought potentially the goal of the weekend was the uh, uh, Motherwell's kind of second consolation if you want was Jordan McClintock's kind of half volley from the edge of the box but I think for, for both these sides for Forfar they'll be looking up to that fourth place as well uh, in that regard but for Motherwell I think it's very much a case of kind of getting getting a bit of stability because it feels like it's a little bit of flux at the moment Yeah I mean obviously I mean Stuart's lost most of the I've done a lot of their coaching things, so again, it should be a pretty seamless transition. Same with, with Kevin McGreskin at Fordford, so it's, it shouldn't phase the players too much there, but it's not easy, again, like Hearts, when you're down that bottom that bottom part of the table. and They'll look at Fordford as a, a winnable game. Disappointed to come out on the wrong end of it, but like we said before, for those positives they can take from it. Um, and I think if Motherwell, again, they are a young squad, could do maybe another couple of more experienced heads in there, but Overall, I think they've got a, the base of a team there that can do better and with a couple of additions and more time playing with each other at this level and kind of understanding a bit more what it takes to play in SWPL1. I don't think they'll be in too much trouble um, next season, but there's it's not great for them at the minute, really, is it? No, but we'll see if they, if they turn it around. Um, now, we've talked about these games in quite a bit of depth and we're able to do that because as well as being at the games and... All games were available to watch live at the weekend as well, which is obviously a great testament to what the clubs do. We had our shiny new highlights package on Sunday night. So um, what, what was your thoughts on it? I mean, 
we so we were at K Park, so that's where they were doing the, the out, outside filming. Though because of the weird world of mass we live in, we it took a wee while to figure that out because you don't really see anybody's faces any longer, especially when everybody's got hoods up and hats on. Um, but I thought um, it was a, a very quick fire half an hour. Um, I think there's as, as first of all, let's be clear, it is bleeping fantastic that there is a highlights package on BBC Scotland on a Sunday night. A pretty good time for it. Everybody that was kind of knew it was coming was buzzing about it. You saw people like Ailey Barber and Emma Dodge using their platforms to kind of promote it. I mean, first of all, let's before we before we kind of talk about it, about it in general, it's just class it's here. Makes it so much easier. See, for this, I mean, even for, for recording this, normally you're sitting and you're having to go through usually nine games. Obviously, we used to four at the minute, and then you're complaining teams don't have highlights in and out, which this week, to be fair, all sides have done. But to be able to come home from a game and then pretty much sit and get TV on and have a free thing game, I mean, there's not much more you can ask for, really, is there? No, there is not. And uh, I thought, do you know what? They covered all four games. We saw all four goals, well, all four goals, all the goals from all four games. They had a little bit of kind of chat around the games as well. They did an interview with Arna Asgrim's daughter after the, the Glasgow City Celtic game. Um, I think it was very rapid. There was it when, when I kind of, by the time we finished it, I was like, woof, like, I feel I need to take a breath, which is also, it's half an hour, it's four games. But I think there is there is scope to let it breathe a little bit um, in terms of kind of what to do. And I, I don't know. I'm sure you like me, Campbell. You watch the the women's football show from, from BBC that covers the the WSL. I think I said WLS again. Um, and they have that same period to cover more games. And I thought it was interesting just doing a wee bit of comparison. But I, I mean, you had highlights. You had people talking about and talking about the women's game. I think yeah. I think it's maybe just a wee bit of fine tuning. It's obviously shot by different people with different places so it kind of moves about quite a lot and this may be me putting my TV head so apologies for this now um, but I thought I thought it was pretty good what was, your, what was your overall as a first episode I thought it was pretty good with stuff to stuff to improve on what was, what was your thought? I mean it does what it says in the tin really doesn't it but I think the fact in this, the last game finished at 6 o'clock to then have all the games up when two and a half hours you think right that's you can't really complain about that um, obviously they're focused on Celtic game and the Rangers game they've had folk there people might have watched these chances are the folk that are watching the highlights show have watched these games so you can understand why maybe it's a bit disappointing for the, the other two games that are only getting those five minutes at the end but like we've said they've got people out at the first two games so to cover them you're expecting maybe a bit more coverage on them especially we you know the pool Celtic and Rangers have um, in Scotland so that's it's understandable there's, there's definitely things can be improved on of course there is but for a first episode, I don't think there's there's too much that they'll be they'll be unhappy with. They'll, I'm sure they'll take on any criticism to BBC, and we'll we'll see potentially the program being expanded. It'd be good if and when we get SWPL two football on to maybe see those games on there as well. But look, there's there's always going to be things to improve. Of course there is, but for for a first time, I, I'm pretty happy with it. And as I say, it just makes life a lot easier for for us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I think the the time the kind of time for it. I think if we are and obviously comparing apples to apples and apples to oranges, um, the WSL highlight show has has been half an hour for for a couple of seasons now, and I don't I don't see that time expanding for the Scottish one just there. If I'm being honest, I don't see SWPL two becoming a part of that. Whether there's something done separately long term, we've also got the FA player down south, which is 
a great resource in terms of being able to just kind of watch any of the kind of games in those top two tiers is maybe something that over time could could become a thing that uh, we can rely on in Scotland. But yeah, I, I think my only my only thing I, when I was kind of watching it was there was this obviously outpouring of like joy it was happening. And then when we started talking about the games, it was maybe just a little bit like there was sometimes a couple of things where you're like, oh, it's a great save. And we mentioned obviously the, the free kick as well, goal. And you're just like, nah, it wasn't. And if you're if you're trying to attract new people to watch the game and you're saying that's amazing and it's not, uh, talking up the game obviously is what I love doing. It's a, I'm a pain in the bahookie when it comes to this kind of stuff usually. But yeah, I think it's just um, now, now, we've, now we've started it, it's about speaking about the game with authority and making sure the voices that are doing it are doing so with that authority. But other other than that, yeah, class. More of that, please. Can't wait for this Sunday to come as well. I'm happy again. Um, one other thing to wrap up before we go through the fixtures for next weekend. There was obviously an interview with uh, Fiona McIntyre uh, that the SFA put out today. So there's a go. There's a benefit of doing the, the podcast today. Um, and one of the beasts, there was obviously lots of stuff about growing the game. And, you know, we've we've talked talked about that endlessly and go and listen to it and, and listen to it in full. But the, the, the interesting wee nugget, I think, for us as punters and for fans listening is obviously about the, the the Scotland manager job and how the aim is to have an appointment in place by June when the next the camp is scheduled, but it could run into September just before the World Cup qualifiers. I, I don't know about you, Campbell, but for me, I would like to see June being the end game. And if it starts running into that September time, I start to worry just, just a wee bit about kind of how we're going to prep for these, these qualifiers. I mean, June and an ideal world would be would be what you'd be looking for, but then does it then become a case of we've got no one in, we're rushing it a bit, and then on the other hand, you look at oh, well, September, yes, it's later, but it means they're taking time to get the right person in, or is it just a case of right, our first choice doesn't want us, let's go into our second, third, and fourth? So if, you can argue it both ways. I think if we can get someone in by June, then perfect, but it, it needs to be the right candidate. And my main gripe, I think, is probably just make sure you pick the right person and they don't just pick someone because oh, they're, they're a big name here or they sound like they might have done this. Look through, look at the squad, look at the possible um, new managers and make sure you pick the right person, please. That's all <laughs> we ask because that last qualification campaign was disappointing. It was. And I think picking the right person is the ultimate thing, but obviously come June time, that'll be six months since Kenna Shelley stepped away from the job. So... I would also have a have a, a wee nod to say that that is quite a lot of time to make an appointment, even with some of the changes that have been happening. But yeah, as you say, right person. And I thought it was encouraging to, to see as well that uh, when Fiona was doing that interview, she talked about the fact that they were casting on it wide and far uh, in terms of searching for that. So I'm like you, right person, somebody who, who gets women's football. I think that's my, my big thing. Somebody who gets women's football um, and then hopefully lead us to the World Cup, but then somehow we'll... Start saving our pennies to get to Australia and New Zealand, can boy. Yeah, that'd be, a, it'd be a nice trip, wouldn't it? So, I've watched a bit of the A League and the W League as well. Quite, I quite like the the Australian Australian coverage of both. Is actually very good. Well, I know we're not Australian, but and the kickoff times here are pretty early. Now the clocks went forward a little later, so that's good. But W League Grand Finals on Sunday, and it's the same coverage from it's Fox over there who put it on BT here, but. You're getting the W League live, you're getting the A League live, and it's it's good. Then if we can get coverage like that of of the women's game over here to the similar standards as they're getting for the men's, then I'd be delighted with it. So seven o'clock alarm on Sunday morning will do me. But 
yeah, if we can get that sort of coverage over here would be would be good. But I've went off on a tangent there. So <laughs> no, you're right. And I'm glad you did mention the fact the W League has been on BT Sport because I've noticed that as well. And BT Sport, I know they're obviously not carrying on the rights for the WSL, not to turn into a WSL podcast. Like it's not going to turn into a W League podcast. But I saw they were chilling it. So um, yeah, if you if you're up in time, go watch it. Uh, in terms of this weekend, though, are SWPL1, which is where we want to go back to. It's a uh, fourth for Farmington against Glasgow City, which is the BBC Sport Online game. I think that's where I'm going to go. I need to actually sort that out. <laughs> um, then Celtic against Hearts and Hibs versus Motherwell. Um, I know that Hibs Motherwell will be available on Hibs Facebook stream, Facebook page. Um, I haven't seen anything for Celtic Hearts yet, so keep your eye out for that. I know that um, uh, Claire Wilde, who does the 90 Minute Cynic pod, was having bit of a event about kind of coverage from the for the women's team at Celtic. So it'll be interesting to see if that, that makes it live. And then uh, 10 past four in BBC Alba, uh, Rangers against Spartan, which is where you're heading off to Campbell. Yes. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> right. Well, that wraps up for now. So thank you very much for listening. Um, obviously, look forward to the football this coming weekend. Watch a game, support your team, and uh, we will be back again next week. Probably a bit more usual time next week. But for now... Take care and we'll speak again soon. It doesn't make me-